Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me is a man that can only be described as the Brian Wilson of Snapchat, the captain. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you, to you, to you. Ole! Well, thank you, Captain. A big happy birthday to Nick. And it's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. So the Brian Wilson of Snapchat, that means that you you just roll around in your bed? Yeah, I just I like to wake up and just Snapchat from my bed. And then you That's hit then you hit snooze and go back to sleep. Yeah, I go for another three hours. That's why there's no bed in the garage, because we can't have you to being the Brian Wilson of podcast as well. Well, I'm a giant bear and I need my sleep. This week, Captain, we are drinking Not Normal by Five Toes Brewing. This is a very special amber beer. Very delicious. I give it four and a quarter bottle caps out of five for our garage grade. And this was sent to us by one of our very good friends, John in Virginia. John is a home brewer, so we are having our very first home brewed beer here in the garage. Big shout out to John. He was serving this great country. He was in the Army. And back in 2009, he was stationed in Iraq and he was injured pretty badly by a roadside bomb. So we want to thank John for his sacrifice, thank him for his service as well. He was injured pretty badly, and he is now left with only five toes, and that's where he gets the great name Five Toes Brewing. So thank you, John, for this delicious beer. We're drinking them tonight. We toast you, our friend. And thank you to all the men and women that have served this great country, and a big shout-out to my buddy, Weird Mike. Thanks for the great beer. This stuff is certainly garage-worthy and is shelf-worthy as well. So stick with the brewing, John. Mm -hmm. We are looking forward to another batch. All right, that's enough of the business. That's right. Gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. I got mine, and it's not normal. Well, you're definitely not normal. Let's talk some true crime. 
This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of James Dean Worley. County Sheriff says authorities located the body in an area around County Road 7 Friday night. Positive identification will be made through either fingerprints or DNA. But at this time, we strongly believe that this is Sierra. Local, state, and federal investigators searched the grounds and ponds in that area, including the nearby home and barn of the suspect, James Worley, who is currently charged with abduction. Additional charges against Worley are pending. I want to express my heartfelt condolences to Sierra's family. At this time, our investigation will remain ongoing. But we do anticipate additional charges against the suspect. 20-year-old Sierra Joggin of Metamora was a junior at the University of Toledo. She was last spotted riding back home alone on County Road 6 after parting ways with her boyfriend. Her bike was found in a cornfield off County Road 6. Law enforcement has been professional and unswerving in their efforts. A family spokesperson thanked volunteers and authorities for their help and is asking the public for privacy during this horrific time. Sierra was a remarkable young young lady with a contagious smile. She was a loving person who has touched many people in her life. We miss her and we will always love her. Twenty-year-old Sierra Jogan was a student at the University of Toledo in Ohio. She was out with her boyfriend on July 19, 2016. They were riding bikes in rural Fulton County, which is west of Toledo. Sierra, Sierra's boyfriend, Josh, he was riding his motorcycle, and Sierra was on her bicycle. Josh said that they were riding together, and at about 6.45 p.m., they had parted ways. So Sierra was last seen by her boyfriend around 645 on July 19th. She was riding her purple bicycle on County Road 7. This is an area near where she lives in northwestern Ohio. According to search warrants from the Fulton County Sheriff's Department. Her and this is where her and Josh grew up at. Yeah, the, yeah, and they had been together for quite some time, right? Yeah, they started dating in middle school. And, and, no, and knew each other since they were children. Yeah, and so she's 20 at this time, and she's in college. I don't know if Josh was in college at the time, but this is a very long-term relationship, and I believe she rode her bike to Josh's house. And he's he's kind of riding alongside of her on his motorcycle. Well, yeah, he, she rode to his house, and I think she's going to ride her bike back from his house to her house. And we even came across a picture. Uh, Josh is, appears to have taken a picture with his cell phone, yeah, I'm guessing that it is a Snapchat of some kind. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. It, it seems like in the corner there's like a little timer thing, so maybe that's a Snapchat photo. Uh, 
obviously he took a screenshot of that and he posted it on social media. And what he said in that post was, if you have seen Sierra, let me know. This is why, uh, this is what she was wearing. Um, sorry that I kind of said that a little funny. He posted, um, I don't want to be the grammar police cause we know everybody knows that listens to the show. We're not grammar doesn't exist in the garage. Right. So, uh, he just kind of misspoke a couple of times or missed text, I guess. But he posted that on social media. If you've seen Sierra, let me know. This is what she was wearing. And you can see in the photo, he's taking a selfie. He's on his motorcycle. You you can barely see him, though, in the picture. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just in the corner. Um, I'll post that on Instagram at True Crime Garage. And you can see her in the back, purple bike, like a mountain bike. Yeah, it's kind of like over his shoulder. You see her Mm -hmm. on her purple bicycle. Yeah, and she's wearing, you know... Um, like, official biking attire, it looked to me, yeah, or, wasn't, at, or, or athletic yeah, gear. Yeah, Like, kind of... Workout uh, gear. Crossfit, you know. cross-training, whatever you call it. Yeah, and so... And then in the back of that, it looks like there's some cornfield. So, again, I'll post that on Instagram, and anybody can check that out, at True Crime Garage. According to search warrants from the Fulton County Sheriff's Department, her boyfriend had exchanged text messages with Sierra for a few hours that evening before she suddenly went quiet. He tried to reach her repeatedly that night, but all of his calls went to her voicemail. Sierra was reported missing by her family Tuesday night, July 19th. Yeah. So my question is how far, cause they, she was coming back home and he was on his motorcycle for just a little bit, but he then exchanged text messages with her for a while after that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find odd is, so how far was this bike ride home or did she go home and just was not seen and then she went back out on her, on her bike again? I don't know that answer. I'm guessing she may not have come home. Uh, the Her mother, Sheila, said that she knew something was wrong very soon. She knew that evening that something terribly wrong was going on with Sierra. Uh, And she knew that the moment that Sierra didn't answer her phone. So police are fully wrapped up in looking for Sierra, who who has now been reported missing by her family. I do want to point out that the police were quick to announce that Sierra's boyfriend, Josh, was fully cooperating in the investigation, and he was not considered a suspect. Yeah, and I think rightfully so, because this is not just her high school sweetheart. This is her middle school sweetheart. They met when they were 10. They become best friends uh, at a very young age, and then they start dating. And in a small community like this, uh, you're more, you know, you quickly become more than just a boyfriend. You start becoming a part of the other, uh, your significant other's family. Well, and the other thing that I'm guessing too here, Captain, is when they say that he that Josh, the boyfriend, is fully cooperating, they're probably talking about things like what was leading up to the last time you saw her. Okay, well, I was on my motorcycle. Here's my motorcycle. Right. You know, check check out my motorcycle. Check out the picture I took. Here's my phone. Look at the text messages. Look at what she sent back to me. Here, take my phone all night and next week if you want to. Yeah, and this is uh, northwest Ohio. This is, you know, kind of a rural area. Definitely definitely rural area, uh, especially the the county road that she was on. Yeah, and, and uh, Fulton County, um, 2010, they say, had a population of over 42,000. 
Uh, Which could sound like a lot, but it's not a lot when you compare it to the area, to the the, the size of the area. Yeah, and Fulton County was named after Robert Fulton, the inventor of the steamboat, and I-90 goes through this. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear a lot of cases where people talk about I-90. We've, we've which had is, a lot of cases where we talk about I-90. Which is a highway, uh, interstate travel, you know, travels from state to state. And we should point out that this area of Ohio is northwestern Ohio, and it's all it's very close to the Michigan border. Yeah, and so just a approximation now, everybody's thinking Fulton County. I've never heard of that. Um, this is 45 minutes away from Toledo. This is an hour and a half away from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, and about an hour and 15 minutes from Finley, Ohio. Okay. So after Sierra's family reported her missing, the police start to search the area where she was last seen. Again, this was County Road 7. During the search, uh, they come across a cornfield. Now, if you look at a map of the area, you will see that there are plenty of cornfields that line the these county roads that are up in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in one of these cornfields, they find her purple bike. Uh, they also find evidence of a struggle. They find two pairs of sunglasses, uh-huh. one which belonged to Sierra. And they also find a screwdriver and a motorcycle helmet, which is covered in human blood. Yeah, let me pull up this picture real quick. Because um, I want to see in the picture. Yeah, in the picture, she's wearing sunglasses. Uh, Josh is wearing sunglasses as well. Now the, the sheriff, uh, Roy Miller, he was quick to point out, you know, after announcing the findings, uh, finding her bike and some of these other items, I don't know that they were fully, uh, upfront with the other items that were found, but they did say that they had seen evidence of a struggle and a possible abduction. And he wanted to make it very clear to everyone that their number one goal was still that they have not located Sierra. Their number one goal was to find her. After finding these items that we just listed, the sheriff's department continued their search of the area, combing the areas around the county road for additional clues and leads. They come across the property of a James Dean Worley. Now, what I couldn't figure out is, is this James's property or is this his mother's or his brother's property? Or maybe it's just like a collective family property. I read one article where it said that he had lived with his mom and his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I The only other article that I was able to confirm that with was there was another article that stated that he lived with his mother and a neighbor that lived near them. He had complained to her about his mother's growing uh, medical cost. Uh, yeah, well, she was in a nursing home. She was like 99 years old. Right. Um, now, here's one thing that I've wondered about here, Captain. Now, the police found the motorcycle helmet, right? Yeah, so, it supposedly had uh, human blood on it. I'm wondering if, you know, did they just stop at every home along the county roads there and go up and question the person? Or did they happen to see, you know... From from the road, from the view of the road, were they able to see a motorcycle in the driveway or up by the house or near a barn or something and think, yeah, well, possibly. And when they were looking for um, some kind of suspect, they were looking for somebody on a motorcycle. And that's where it gets a little interesting with Josh, because uh, like we said, Sierra's boyfriend, Josh, was on a motorcycle. So did they see James Worbley or did they actually see Josh on a motorcycle? 
Well, either way, it brings them to James Warley. Yeah, they end up at Warley. at, at Warley's property. And for whatever reason, whether they saw the motorcycle or not, they decide, let's go talk to this. Right. This but this person. is also not a huge town, right? It's not a huge uh, county. And at the time, um, Warley is known to be a small engine mechanic. Mm-hmm. And he basically runs a small engine um, repair shop out of his barn. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of work for neighbors and people that lived in the area. I, I'm guessing you could take your... Uh, you know, lawnmower, lawnmower, anything with a small engine, you know, maybe dirt bike or whatever. Yeah, probably um, mainly two strokes. So they decide that they want to talk to the person that resides at this property. And when authorities talked to James Worley, he had told them that his motorcycle had broken down very near the same location where they had found the missing woman's bike, the motorcycle helmet, and other items earlier. And of course, Worley said that he had lost his helmet, he had lost his screwdriver, sunglasses, and some fuses mm-hmm. for his bike. Now, of course, these are the, are precisely the items that were found at the scene. And it was not made public that any of these items were found. But what is also extremely suspicious, James Worley said something that the investigators found quite strange. He made the comments that he didn't steal anything or kill anyone. (laughs) Yeah. And the persons conducting the interviews observed what they appeared to be fresh marks on the arms of James Worley and what appeared to be bruising on his lower legs. That is just a silly remark by anybody. Oh, I didn't steal anything. And by the way, I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, my my bike just broke down and. Hey, hey, Captain, how was your weekend? Well, I didn't steal anything, and I didn't kill anybody. Now, the Sheriff's Department has what they call probable cause and what I call 100 arrows all pointing at the 57-year-old weird dude living in the country that just admitted leaving his bloodied motorcycle helmet right next to the missing woman's bicycle. So this is when they get their search warrant. And when the authorities went and executed a search warrant at James Worley's property, What they found was even more disturbing. They find blood on Worley's motorcycle at the property. They also find a trove of items that are commonly used to commit criminal activity, more specifically abductions. They find zip ties, a ski mask, and mace. All these items were found in Worley's truck. A further search revealed a barn that had an area concealed by bales of hay. Nearby was a secured freezer that had blood in it. Now, there's no details on whether it was the blood itself was linked to Sierra's or to the suspect. But let's think about this for a second. A secured freezer. So he has a, a freezer that locks, mm-hmm. and they find some blood inside of it. Well, it's like carpet-lined freezer, which, and, is, which is odd. Yeah. I've never seen a carpet-lined freezer. And authorities also found duct tape, several pairs of female panties, journals, maps, Mm -hmm. and a nanny cam on his property. A nanny cam. And there's no, like, baby or anything. There's no nanny. Right. Or baby. Uh, Authorities also find... (laughs) The nanny cam isn't to, like, spy on your nanny, is it? Well, no. Well, keep an eye on the nanny so it's not punching the kid Mm -hmm. but anyway back to the the secret room okay this area that was concealed by bales of hay the secret room contained restraints and these could only be described as for holding humans against their will 
It also contained plastic sheeting, ropes, chains, and a meat hook. These were all found on the property among other items. So he's got kind of a whole Dexter studio set up there in his, in his barn. Yeah. And this barn is, I mean, there's parts of the barn that look a little dilapidated, uh, but for the most part, it seems like to be well upkept and like something that was a functioning, a functioning barn that they could use. Um, probably some, some of those parts were used for the engine repair business. Yeah. But clearly he had spent some time outfitting a portion of this barn with, uh, <laughs> well, the, the tough thing with, with his me. own James Dean dungeon. Yeah. The problem though with the media and I think everything is that we make this huge big deal about all oh, this secret room. Well, it's probably not an actual secret room. It's a barn. Mm-hmm. Right, so it, it's only a secret room because he took this entrance and put uh, bales of hay in front of it. So they just it, constantly, the media is constantly trying to make something sexier than it is. I mean, and that's a horrible phrase that people use. But oh, it's more intriguing if it's a secret room. No, it just has happens to be a room that he hid with bales of hay. Well, but also keep in mind, you know, the 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 authorities firmly believe that he was probably at the location where her bicycle was found. Oh, I understand that. And they find this room. And so, of course, after all these findings at the Worley property, the outlook became even more grim as it was starting to look like the the police and the sheriff's department, they were not going to be able to find Sierra alive. Almost immediately, there is widespread support across the state of Ohio in the search for Sierra Jogan. Some family members and friends, they handed out flyers with information Mm -hmm. about her. Others raised more than $25,000 through a GoFundMe page to support the search. Many others showed their support online by sharing information about her disappearance. There was even a $100,000 reward offered for information that led to Sierra Jogan's whereabouts. Despite efforts and prayers, Sierra would not be found alive. In fact, her body was located on Friday July 22nd. Jogan's body was found three days after she went missing, and she was found in a shallow grave in a cornfield not far from the James Dean Worley's home. James Worley was arrested the same day. He, as we said, lived in Fulton County, and he had been charged with aggravated abduction and aggravated murder in this case. Now, most articles that I read did not mention how Sierra Jogan's body was located or what may have led them to her body, but Her remains were discovered three days after she was reported missing, but just hours after police arrested James Worley. An autopsy report from the county coroner's office shows that Sierra had died from asphyxiation due to airways being obstructed from a plastic gag in her mouth. Mm -hmm. She choked to death on a large plastic gag. She died of a period of minutes after the gag was placed in her mouth. The gag was described as a large yellow oval plastic device, three inches long and two inches wide. And one of Sierra's teeth had been chipped. The report further detailed that Sierra's body was found hogtied with ropes and duct tape and her hands were handcuffed behind her back. So her ankles were taped together and the, they had tied with the, the rope to the hand handcuffs to the tape right there was no evidence of a sexual assault that could be found um the report further revealed that sierra's body was intact with no indications of significant trauma and there was more evidence the blood and the sunglasses 
that were found, it was later revealed that they had contained Worley's DNA. Mm, yeah, well, we kind of assumed that they were Worley's anyways. Mm-hmm. But but we already had things connecting Worley, and now we're just circling the wagons and connecting more things to this despicable person. Well, yeah, they're just piling and piling the evidence uh, to take this to trial. And one thing that came out very quickly after his arrest was everybody started talking about, well, is James Dean Worley a uh, serial abductor? Because this is something he had been involved in before. Well, yeah, but let's be clear. When when her body wasn't found, they just thought she was missing. Mm-hmm. And he was charged before in 1990. He was charged um, with the abduction of Robin Gardner. Mm-hmm. And so they just kind of assumed here he is again abducting somebody, but they'll be found. And then once she's found, then, you know, we'll charge him with abduction and he'll go to jail. But then uh, Sierra's body's found and now the game has changed. And we have a brief description of the abduction from 1990. Um, It was, you know, you had said Robin Gardner. She was riding her bicycle. Again, we see young woman on her bicycle in a rural road near Toledo. Uh, And she told authorities that Worley had hit her purposely. And that he had tried to, you know, once he had knocked was her he off. Was he driving of, like a truck or something? He was driving his truck, a flatbed truck. And while he was. On uh, that I-90, man. He, once he had knocked her off of her bike, he tried to handcuff her uh, in his flatbed truck while threatening her. You know, he's saying things like, you, you know, do what I say, do what I say, or I'm going to kill you. I'm serious. I'll kill you. Uh, according to the 1990 pre-sentencing report. This is everything that that came out in court regarding this case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robin Gardner told police that she had managed to escape the truck and run to a man who had stopped his motorcycle after seeing the struggle inside the truck. According to Robin, Worley had inflicted a one-inch laceration on her right knee using a flathead screwdriver. Now, at the time, James Dean Worley, he was running a lawn mowing business, uh, again, working for himself here. Uh, He did deny trying to harm Robin Gardner. He told authorities that he had only tried to restrain her because she was trying to leave the scene of an accident. All right. Well, James, how did she get the gash on her leg with a screwdriver? Yeah, you don't. That's, that's what I'd ask. You don't usually restrain somebody using a screwdriver. I just try to restrain her, you know. With a screwdriver. I wonder if he if he also stated shortly after that that he didn't rob or kill anybody. No, he didn't. He didn't know. steal anything. Anyways, no, but the thing is, you know, James is not a small guy by any means. Uh, and the best way to describe him and like in the jur- in the court photos that you can see of him, mm-hmm. uh, he has, you know, this like red jumpsuit on, like a prison jumpsuit. But he looks size-wise kind of like uh, te- Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre if you just didn't have a mask on. I mean, he's kind of a bigger dude. Kind of large and lumbering kind of dude. Yeah. Um, he had went on to say that Gardner, that Robin Gardner had caused the crash and that she had, she had cut in front of him with her bicycle. And his statement was that my family and myself are good, decent, and very honest people. And that was his statement to the judge at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, afterward, Worley entered a plea to the abduction charge. 
and he was sentenced uh, for four to ten years in prison, according to an old court document. Which I mean, this is what makes. I mean, I love our country. I love America. I love Ohio. But this is what makes our country so strange. This guy abducts a lady mm-hmm. for no freaking reason. He stabs her in the leg with a screwdriver, right? Mm-hmm. A sentence, he pleads. Yeah, he so pled then, guilty. Then he's sentenced for four to ten years, mm-hmm. and then he's released in three. Yeah, he was released on parole mm-hmm. in 1993. And there's guys in jail smoke that were caught smoking pot a couple times that are spending more time in jail than this guy is. Yes, yeah. Here here again we How see... How that makes any damn sense, I, I don't know. Or even dealing drugs, you know what I mean? It's like there should be some kind of separation between violent offenders and non-violent offenders. You know, because to be honest with you, Captain, the guy that the guy that's selling some recreational use drugs, uh, you know, two streets over, mm-hmm. he doesn't scare me. I'm not afraid of that dude, but the dude that decides, you well, know, what, I normally I'm, don't like that dude because that guy thinks he's a baller or something, and I'm not really interested in that dude. But he doesn't scare me. But the guy stabbing the girl with a screwdriver in the leg, he doesn't scare me. I just don't want that individual around me. No, but what I mean is he he's scary to society. You know this yeah. this guy. It just he's he's driving and decides. You know what? Oh, there's a pretty girl. There's a pretty woman on a bike. I'm just going to hit her with my truck well, our law and take her home. Right. And our law enforcement and our government should be really thinking more about how to protect the citizens than to, oh, well, Lisa, you smoked a little pot, so we're going to throw you in jail for, for longer than uh, James Dean spent in jail for stabbing a girl. I mean, abducting her, uh, handcuffing her, and uh, stabbing her in the leg with a screwdriver. And I do want to say that I am a believer in rehabilitation. I'm all for it. However, I got to believe that it's probably easier to rehabilitate the drug user or the drug pusher rather than somebody like James Dean Worley. I mean, he's, he sat in prison, he's in there for three years, and he probably masterminded some of his, uh, I don't want to say masterminded because he doesn't appear to be that smart of a guy, but uh, he, he seemed to have developed his plan a little more thoroughly during that time, between the time of his uh original sentencing in the time of this abduction. I mean, he outfitted a portion of his barn for his. Well, yeah, let's dive into that. Sick, twisted hobby. And let's dive into a little bit of his uh, psychology and and the therapist stuff. uh, After the evidence keeps pouring in at this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about monopoly go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. 
When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. 
Head to factormeals.com slash true crime garage 50 and use code true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code true crime garage 50 at factormeals.com slash true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Beer break. All right, so let's dive into a little bit of this James Dean Worley's. Um, so after he was charged with the abduction in 1990 and then released in 93, I think he was court ordered to actually see a therapist. Yeah, because believe it, I believe that at the time they thought he could probably do this again. Yeah, and so as he's talking to his therapist, he's making claims that... <laughs> Uh, you know, he's learned from his past abductions, mm-hmm. now plural. Mm-hmm. So we only have the one on record or one that he's charged with, Robin Gardner, but like I said, in 90. So, but he says abductions, meaning more than one. So what happened to these other victims? Yeah, and who are they? You know, are there cold cases out there that, that he has been involved in? Um, we know his type. Right. You know, we, we've seen two victims that are roughly the same age with yeah, 20 and 26. 26. And, um, you know, the, the, they're young women, young white women, uh, on both happen to be on bicycles, which is strange enough, but he seems to be a person that works for himself and kind of m- must create his own hours. Uh, and he probably, if he's done this more than once, I'm guessing. Well, that- no, let's just assume he has, cause he's saying plural. And well, and we know that he's done it twice, but what I'm saying is he's done this more than once. I'm guessing he's probably out trolling for victims that he's, he's not just driving home from the grocery store after picking up a gallon of milk and going, Oh, there's a, there's a girl that I would like to hit with my vehicle and bring back to, to my barn. I think it's, he's out actually looking for uh, a victim that's by themselves, uh, that, that he thinks he can easily overpower and abduct them. Yeah, possibly trolling at some points, but I think in other cases, maybe it's just opportunist. You know, so it's not far from his barn. Uh, the Sierra case mm-hmm. is not far from his his property, and he could have been picking up a part for an engine, you know, either on his motorcycle or in his truck, and then gets back and goes, oh, I'm just going to take my motorcycle out there. You know, who knows? I'm not, We don't really have a clue on that. But so possibly sometimes trolling, possibly other times just opportunist. So, but he makes the statements to his therapist that I've learned from my mistakes and the next one I'm going to bury. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would think, all right. Which is in the Sierra case he does because she's found in a shallow grave. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that the, the, he kept his word on that, but what I'm saying is maybe he shouldn't have been paroled. Um, that should have been a few red flags go up right there, obviously. Right. And, um, but I, you know, in these situations, the therapist is is more representing the the prisoner than the previous victim. Mm-hmm. You know, and they got these statements from the therapist through a search warrant. But I was digging a little more on this, and it is actually now standard protocol that if you have uh, somebody in therapy and they start making claims uh, about hurting others you actually have a duty to actually go to the police with this. So if you state 
uh, you know, I just hate working in the garage and I, I feel like I'm going to hurt, uh, the co-host, you know, my therapist needs to dig deeper. Well, mm-hmm. why do you hate him? Well, he stutters on his words. He says escaped, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. They have to dig a little bit deeper. And if they think there's actually some malice in there or some validity to what you're saying, they need to go to the authorities. Now, the first abduction does appear a little more, uh, opportunist to me where obviously the second well, one Well, I'm glad you're on the same page as me now. Yeah, this the second one is clearly planned out. You know, he's got the the weird dungeon in his in his barn and he I don't I don't know if the second one's planned out or if that weird room is just there. I mean, from from how long ago was that room set up? No, what I what I meant by that is maybe that particular evening on July 19th Maybe he, you know, he didn't set out that evening planning to abduct somebody. But what I'm saying is I think that that area was uh, put together with certain items to to have a place for when an opportunity presents itself. Right, right, right. And this is why the sheriff sergeant would give the statement that Worley fits the profile of a serial offender and that he could potentially have additional victims who may have been kept at his property for a short amount of time or some time. It's a, what's John's brews company? Yeah. Five toes brewing. It's a good beer. In the first abduction, we see where he was unable to control his potential victim. She gets away. Uh, Cause he didn't stab her enough with the screwdriver. Yeah. And he was probably looking to, um, handcuff her or tie her up to gain control of her at some point. Or at least get well. The other factor in this is the other motorcyclist, mm-hmm. and he was he was trying to drag her to back to his truck, according to Robin Gardner, and unable to carry the, out that abduction. Now we see where in the second abduction he is able to overpower the victim mm-hmm. and to gain control of her. Um, it does seem a little strange to but he me. He has those marks on his arm and the marks on his leg, so uh, you know. At least there was a struggle. And it, it does seem strange to me, though, if he was on a motorcycle, uh, that's that's a tricky way to to grab somebody and take them back to your place. Right. Right. But then I'm wondering, is it a run off the road situation? You're on a motorcycle, which is a lot bigger than, you know, a mountain bike. And so is the idea that you'd run her off the road. I, I get, I'm guessing, I, I mean, he, he, he may not have had, again, he may not have had a plan. This may have been an opportunity that presented itself to him and he, he acted on it, um, impulsively. And I think that's clearly what we see in the first case, maybe in the se- the second as well. Uh, even though he did have this place that he intended to take her. Well, he, and he might've taken her there. Yeah. I mean, because the police haven't released every, all the findings, of what they found in the barn. I mean, they have claimed that there is no uh, human remains that they have found. Uh, I think once they research the property more, um, that possibly they're going to find some things and those that will be brought uh, to light in trial. But like we said, this is a very new case and this is something that they have to keep a lot of stuff close to the vest because they do have to try. uh, They haven't put, James on trial yet. And I'm curious if they are able to end up finding any DNA of, of the victim at his barn or at his property. Yeah. And that's something that they haven't made claims to yet, but they did say that there was blood 
on different parts uh, in that secret room. Mm-hmm. And remember, he did have that that potential abduction kit in his truck. This is found in his truck, mind you. You know, and we're we're told that he used his motorcycle in this abduction. I believe that they're going to find uh, Sierra's DNA at his property. I agree with that, and I think they probably they may have already done that. We know right. that they went. In uh, what was it in August of this year? Mm-hmm. After after this case was put together, they did go to his property searching for the possibility of other human remains or evidence that there were other people kept there. Mm-hmm. Now we've been told that as of this date, they've not found any of that. Well, thanks for catching up. Uh, I said that about five minutes ago. And, and but but here again, like we said, I wouldn't be surprised if there is evidence of Sierra, like you said, DNA at his at his home, at his in his truck or on the motorcycle in the barn. They're mm-hmm. probably holding on to that. They're going to use that in court against him. Keep in mind, he has pled not guilty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is guilty of other. I I think everything points to him being guilty of of Sarah of Sierra's case 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think the other thing that's weird about this is I mean, we you know, we get a list of cases that are presented to us and you know, we we've we like to do some profiles here and there and we happened to do Ed Gein mm-hmm. recently. Uh or like our Australian buddies call it Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Oh, you guys did that case on Ed Gein. Um the goofy Aussies. Um but this is kind of a similar situation. Aussies. You're, you're, Aussies. You and I got in the habit of saying Aussies. No, Aussies. That's what I call them, like Aussie Osbournes. Uh, they're from the land of Aussies. Um, no, so it's kind of the same situation. You got this family um, plot of land with mm-hmm. the barn and everything, and then they it, it's the same scenario, you know, and then they go back to you know, Ed's house and they find all this weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't find as weird of stuff, but it's still... You got the secret room with all these, you know, basically methods of torture. And then you find this victim and she was tortured. And well, and she, it, it sounds to me like she may have passed a lot earlier or a lot sooner than he had anticipated. Um, you know, she died from asphyxiation on that gag, on that apparatus that, that he had put in her mouth. Now, yeah, and I question this autopsy a little bit, and normally I wouldn't just because science is science. The problem, though, is that there's blood on his helmet, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering how bad of a blow to the head maybe that she had uh, due to the helmet. I, I don't know. They did say there was no no visible signs of, of like extreme trauma. Okay. So, so right. Right. But no, I I'm with you. I think that he used that blood probably came from him overpowering her to, to take her somewhere else. Well, and, it, and if anybody's been watching uh, the CBS special on um, John Benet Ramsey, they were talking about you know, that possibly that she was hit with a flashlight, but there was, so there was damage to the skull but there was no break in the skin. So it could have been the same thing. So no break in the skin, but there's still damage to the skull or damage to a bone. There was blood present. Who knows? Like they said, we don't know if it was his or hers or a combination of the two. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised here, Captain. We were talking about psych, you know, the, the psychology of this monster. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there are other victims out there, more than the two that we already know about, if he is guilty of other crimes, do we see a confession here at some point? Do we see a guilty plea at some point just to kind of, you know what I mean? Because he well, he's, think, he looks very, very guilty. Of, there's no getting out of this one. There's yeah, no getting but out I, of this I one. Think the but reason, there's a way to walk away from suspicion of other crimes, I think. Yeah, but I think the, the, the way the lawyer plays it is that if we present a not guilty plea, then it puts more pressure on the DA. Mm-hmm. So it gives you more bargaining chips. If you're just going to plead guilty from the word go, then they're not going to lessen the sentence. And also hope hoping that if you extend it out further, that maybe there's not as much um, public pressure mm-hmm. and that they would just get a lighter sentence. Yeah, and originally he was, when he was first picked up, he was being held without bond. Um, and then eventually he did enter a not guilty plea to the charges and he's currently waiting for his trial. Now, I've been told that his trial will start next September, not the, not this month, but the okay. following September. So they probably have a pretty big case here to put together. Um, I don't think that he has the means to afford great counsel. Um, uh, and I mean that in the terms of expensive counsel. Right. Uh, does, doesn't mean that there's not great counsel <laughs> out there um, by his means. But what I'm saying here is, well, some idiot will come along and pay for a good counsel and then make a documentary claiming this guy's that this monster is innocent. And it's very likely that he's going to face the death penalty. You know, we still have the death penalty here in Ohio. Um, he is a repeat offender. Um, and this was a very heinous crime. Yeah, I mean, this is a beautiful girl with a lot of life left. I mean, she was going to school. She had a loving family. She was doing everything uh, right, and here's this guy that's doing everything wrong, and their paths crossed for whatever reason, and this is the outcome. And he deserves to go away forever. He deserves to get sentenced to death if if, if that's what your state carries. And the thing is here, well, the, the, the current state of the Ohio state death penalty is is a bit strange. You know, we're not currently able to use the, the drugs that they use to put people to sleep. Mm -hmm. And, um, because of that, we've not actually executed anybody. I believe in the last three years, um, they're working to try to figure that situation out. Um, so unfortunately where our victim, her life was cut way too short. This guy, regardless if he's found guilty or not, he's probably looking at a long stay here in prison. He's 57 years old. He may not ever see that execution date. Well, like I said, here, here's some problems that we have. You know, the therapists, they're taught to, if if you think that these claims that people are making have any validity, you need to go to law enforcement. I believe these claims had v- validity. I mean, he's already charged and, uh, and spent time in prison for one abduction. He talks about multiple uh, abductions. Then he talks about the next victim that I've learned from my mistakes. The next one I'll bury. This is red flags. This should have been caught. This is, um, you know, when you talk about therapy, this is a mental health thing. And this is, this is an area that we need to step up in. Exactly. And and if, and if they would have caught this earlier and I'm not putting, uh, I'm not putting any blame on them. 
I'm just saying that if we really step up this area, this crime never would have happened and Sierra would still be living and, 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 and attending school as we speak. Then there's other problems where he only spends three years in jail for abducting a girl. And not only that, but I mean, shit, some assault charges are longer than three years. And he's, he stabbed her with a screwdriver. Yeah. Which is another uh, item that we found in this case. So all around, this is just, there's, there's a lot of issues with this going on. The thing that is really confusing to me, and I would like to know this information, I could not find it anywhere, is that her boyfriend Josh talks about that he was in communication with her after they split mm-hmm. and for a while. I just want to know how long that was and what what happened in that time period. Yeah, yeah. The the only description that I was able to find was he was saying that they exchanged some text messages mm-hmm. and then at some point she quit responding to his messages and then that's when he tried calling her phone and yeah, and it could have been going. something like, text me when you get home. So, I mean, that time period could be actually a lot smaller than is what's reported. It but. could be short. It could be a handful of hours for all we know. But at some point, he's calling the phone and he's only getting the voicemail. And a lot of, another thing that's happening with this case is there's a lot of threats to James Dean Worley's property. And again, same thing with the Ed Gein case. Uh, when we talked about when his property went up for sale, they actually, somebody burned it down, um, burnt down the whole facility, and they knew that it was arson. So there's actually been similar threats to um, Worley's property, and this is actually something that he really cares about. Now, I'm not saying that this place shouldn't be burnt down, and I'm not saying that I want to applaud the person that did it. I'm not saying that I would... Uh, you know, give them a couple rounds of beers afterwards. But, um, but mind you, this is an ongoing investigation. Mind you that there are other victims possibly out there that we don't have answers to their story and not just abduction, uh, scenarios, but possible other murders and that evidence could be found on that property. So anybody that's thinking, well, I'm going to burn down this guy's place you might want to think twice because you might be stopping the possible solving of another crime. Yeah. And his property, and it may be, it may belong to his mother or his brother or to everybody in the family. I don't know, but the property that we're talking about, we figured out is what roughly about three acres. So it's not, it's not a small piece of land. Now they, they have searched it for remains or, or evidence of such of abductions or whatnot. They haven't found that, but that doesn't mean that they've searched every nook and cranny. Right, but the thing, too, is that's what's being reported, like we said before. That's what's being reported. That doesn't mean that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And and in this case, the the law enforcement don't have to be open and transparent to the public. No, because there's still a trial that's going to happen. And And the main thing is to get this monster locked up and put away for a very long time. Now, there was a person in the area that had said that her and her daughter had gone to his property to get a, her daughter had some kind of rec- recreational vehicle mm. that, that she used. And the daughter was, was kind of young, like maybe 13 or 14 ish. Um, they were having that vehicle repaired by Worley and they went to the barn and he was working on, you know, fixing this vehicle. And one thing that the lady had said that she found to be extremely strange about him. Now she had actually, This was just days before the disappearance of Sierra. 
she said one thing that she found to be strange of James Worley was that they had been there about a year to a year and a half prior to have something else fixed. And this was the only time that she and her daughter had ever met James Worley, right? They arrive to get this vehicle repaired and immediately he greets them by both by name. He clearly remembered them, uh, which she mm-hmm. found to be strange. Uh, and he even pointed out that uh, mentioned to the daughter, like, Oh, aren't you like 12? You know, she, he had got the age right from the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had also said that the first time that they were there back in 2015, that the barn itself was a wreck. Like it was just a total mess. There was stuff everywhere. And when they returned this time in 2016, uh, just days before the disappearance, that the barn was extremely tidy. It was very clean. Everything had been picked up and put away in its right spot. And she found it to be strange that this person had lived and conducted himself in, in, in one manner for so long. And then just a year later, complete change. Yeah, but it, it could be a million different reasons. I mean, some logical reasons. I mean, his mom might have been put away in a home and then he then decides that he's going to organize things the way he wants to. Again, is it that strange that he remembers their name? Hey, it's business practice do business with somebody before you make some notes and then you can remember a little bit something about them next time you do business with them. It's, That's a common business practice. Um, it may not be strange to you and I, but it was strange to the person that had met him on two occasions, which I find interesting. And, and you know, furthermore, uh, you know, is it strange that the barn is all of a sudden clean? No, but did he clean it for a purpose other than, you know, just tidying up the place? Was he, getting rid of things that he didn't want on his property. I'm just going to go with what the therapist talked about when he said abductions. Mm-hmm. I've learned from my abductions more than one. Uh, I don't think that's some slip by any means. I mean, he also had this uh, weird relationship with his mother was constantly, uh, there was a lot of claims um, by the nursing home that she was in and by other caretakers saying that he was very mean to her. Uh, the police were called out uh, one time to check on the mother because they thought maybe that Worley did something to her. Hmm. Uh, there was also a time that uh, he went, the police were called out to the property again because he had a fight with his brother. Um, nobody was arrested at any of these times. But with the mother case, the police were so concerned that they actually said, no, we're going in the house. And when they went in the house, she was just asleep. So, I mean, this this is... This is the stuff that pisses me off so much because here's this guy that committed a crime. He gets let out too early. He's now talking to a doctor. He's saying some goofy shit. Nobody reports that. He has all these other weird freaking claims and everybody knew him as, you know, yeah, he's fixing engines and maybe that means that you don't get a, you're not around a bunch of people all the time. But it's like as a society, let's wake up people and when there's some weird shit going on and somebody's acting a little fucking kooky, Let's take note of it and then give that to somebody that maybe can take uh, some action on that, on those notes. But it's, it seems like, you know, I applaud the lady. She came forward after the guy is, is arrested to say, yeah, you know, he, he seemed a little strange. Well, that's great lady. After the, after Sierra's found, 
that does nothing. But and just like the doctor, congratulations, we already found the victim. Well, the doctor didn't come forward. That was a that was a warrant that was issued, and that's when they found that information. And right, right. Well, the, so the, I applaud you, you know, for coming forward after you well you served a warrant. No, but applaud the the authorities for for serving the warrant and getting yes, that yes, information. Uh, and the other thing though, with, with the woman that I was describing, uh, who knows? We don't, you know, media, media is a bit of a whore, right? We, who knows? They mm-hmm. could have been out with their cameras, You're a bit of a whore. With, with their cameras and with their microphones, with their pads and their pencils going around Fulton County, asking anybody, did you know James Dean Worley? Right, and right. if anybody's willing to say anything, they jot it down. Next thing you know, it's on CNN or it's in people magazine or it's wherever, um, you know, th- she may not have come forward. She may have been asked a question. Right. Um, now we talk about possible other abductions, right? Um, now one thing I thought that I would take upon myself was to search the Ohio cold case database. Um, and I, I got a little discouraged and very tired along the way. Right. So I mm-hmm. started because this case just took place two months ago. I had to start very recently. Right. And so I started going backwards in time, searching the database for people that would have been similar description to the two girls that, that we know of, right. uh, in a similar area. And of course I was going to ignore anything between the years of 1990 and 1993 when he was locked up. But one thing that got real sad real quick was I'm checking out cold case murder cases in the state of Ohio. And I only made it to the year 2003. That's as far as I could get back before I started falling asleep at the table. By the time of 2003, I don't remember what month I was in at that point, but I had already looked through 600 cold case murder cases in the state of Ohio. That was, that was really took the wind out of my sails to Mm -hmm. know that there's 600 murder cases that are unsolved in the state of Ohio since the year 2003. Yeah. Well, maybe if you quit your damn day job, we could solve some of these things. So I only made it back to 2003, right? And I'm wondering how far back do we have to go on this guy checking these cold cases and seeing what's in the area and see, seeing anything that matches the victim profile mm-hmm. before we come across anything. Well, I, I, the questions I'd want to ask is when did his father pass away? What was his relationship with his father? Uh, we know that he was mean to his mother, had some issues with his brother. Um, did, I would want to know some of his history in high school, but I think you could, with somebody sick like this, I think you could go back as far as 18. Well, and I think too that you might want to know maybe what was his different living situations. Has he always lived at the mother's property? You know, mm-hmm. because you had mentioned earlier that you thought that she was now living in a retirement home. Yeah, um, well, yeah she might have passed away by now. I'm not for sure. Last I saw, she was like 99 years old. Right. Um, you know, he's 57. Well, when you give uh, birth to evil, maybe you just can't die. Yeah, but what I'm wondering is, are we seeing are we seeing something here where um, he, where he's he's starting up again? Well, I think because because mom's not around because now he's there's there's less no, eyes no, on there's think. less eyes on James Dean Worley in the property that he lives. What I mean by that is you you wanted to ask questions about him 
specifically, I'm wondering what was some of his different living situations? Did he ever live by himself? Because well, I, I think the bigger issue with this whole thing is that if he was driving a truck for a living and on that I-90, now you're talking about, you know, not just North West he was Ohio. A land, he was a landscaper at that time. So it may have been a landscaping truck that he was driving. I don't think he was like a, a semi truck driver. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that you're on that I-90. So it's very easy to jump on. And, and then you have, you have this excuse of this company that you can give to your family and friends probably didn't have any friends, uh, on why you're out of town. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. He might not have had any friends. There, there was a, a person or two in the area that had said he seemed to be a guy that knew a lot about the people that lived in the area and nobody in the area really knew a lot about him. Yeah. I mean, typical loser, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I think the thing about it and that was scary to me is when you look at the college towns around that area, you got Toledo, you know, an hour and or less than an hour away Ann Arbor, about an hour and a half away. You have Finley, Ohio, which is an hour and 15 away. You got Tiffin university up in that area. It seems like the, the, the kind of girl that he's going after is college age. Yeah. And, and it's like this bad, perfect storm. No, you're right. Because most, most people see that as see those as areas of potential, uh, growth, personal growth, higher education. He sees those areas as hunting grounds. I don't um, know what he sees them as, but I just think, just think he's a real douche. Well, his actions, I can tell that he sees those as hunting grounds. It's, it's obvious. Um, I do want to point out here that there was a woman that came forward recently. Her name is Rachel Hill. Uh, she is the sister of Lauren, Lori Ann Hill. Sorry. Um, and Lori Ann Hill was killed in 1995. She went missing for days before a hunter discovered her body in a cornfield. Now, Lori was just 14 years old at the time of her disappearance and her death. Um, her sister really feels like James Dean Worley is guilty of, of her sister's death. There's not a lot of evidence to, to provide that suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it should be noted that, that she believes this because of the similarities in the case, as well as the close proximity to where they live. Do you know how close that is? No, mm-hmm. I, I guess um, she was, the victim lived in a place called uh, Swanton. Yeah, I, I don't know that area too well. I used to play in Finley a lot at Nino's. So anybody in Finley, Ohio, I used to play there. You probably saw me play sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Toledo, Bar 145. If you get need a nice beer, check out that place. Uh, I played there several times. Um, no, I think when it comes down to this all, I mean, a lot of armchair detectives and, and real detectives would go, okay, well, we have one victim at 20 and one victim at 26. So this is just his MO. And like I said, he's college area. So he's, it's like this bad, perfect storm. But, you know, even though I, I don't really care too much for this lady's comments afterwards about, you know, him knowing her daughter's age, I think people are so quick to say, Oh no, no, it's not his MO. He's, he's into 20 year olds. He just might be into opportunities. And so I think this is, if this lady has a gut feeling that, uh, James is involved, um, they need to take that serious and, and hopefully they can add another charge to this. 
And I think it's important that you dive into these other cases solely for that once, I believe, once he's convicted Mm -hmm. of this crime, this heinous crime, and he is sentenced to life or death penalty or whatever, and hopefully, and I'm not an advocate for the death penalty, but hopefully he's sentenced to death and therefore Worley will start speaking so these other victims' families will have some closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because once once the possibility, there's no more threat. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be, can't be threatened with a more harsh sentence. So why not why not come clean with some of with some of your actions? Um, so uh, real quick here, I just looked up. We talked about Robin Gardner. She was the first girl that. Well, we had spoke about her. She was the one that he attempted to abduct mm-hmm. from an area called White House, Ohio. Now, White House, Ohio is about 12 miles southeast of Swanton, Ohio. Swanton mm-hmm. is where this Lori Ann Hill had disappeared from. Now, Swanton, Ohio is only about six or seven miles east of where Worley was currently living uh, at the time of, of this case. Okay, so next week, can we just like talk about like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Because sometimes this stuff just, it's just... It's horrible because at the end of the day, this beautiful girl lost her life, mm-hmm. and uh, and this guy, you know, who knows what he's gonna, if he's gonna get, if they're gonna get justice or not. And I'm hoping, and I'm praying that uh, he gets the harshest penalty allowed. Yeah, he's he's currently facing 19 charges. Some of those charges are kidnapping, aggravated murder, um, abuse of a corpse. Uh, like I said, he'll be facing court next September. I think that the state will get the justice uh, and put this guy away forever and, and hopefully get some justice for the family and his other potential victims. I'd like to hear an update on this Lori Ann Hill situation. Um, hopefully they can figure something out with that as well. Uh, yeah, and if we get any updates, um, we will do an update show on this. Mm-hmm. We do have recommended reading, Captain. All right. This week we are recommending... This, this week we're recommending Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Read something that's not true crime so you don't feel so bad about the world. Well, we are recommending Released to Kill Again by John Summit. Well, that sounds like it's true crime. Mm-hmm. Are criminals who have been convicted of murder really being released back into society to live among us? Yes, In they this are. book... John Summit reveals the shocking true crime and murder stories of seven convicted criminals who not only killed once, but they were paroled only to kill again. You can pick that up by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page. You will see all of our books that we've recommended over the past year. Uh-huh. Um, and pick, is, it, is it up to date now? It's up to date, but I, 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 I should correct what I just said. I don't think you can find everything that we've recommended on there, but there's about 20 or so books currently listed on there. So you're only like 30 books behind. I'm a, we're missing some of the ones from the early days. <laughs> All right. That's that's your one job is that page. That's right. So go to go to truecrimegarage.com, <laughs> click on the recommended page, don't listen to the captain, and pick up Release to Kill Again by John Summit today. And, and for everything True Crime Garage, you can check out our website, truecrimegarage.com. And all social media stuff, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. If you want to see the Brian Wilson of Snapchat, at True Crime Garage.
And don't forget about our recommended viewing, The Girl on the Train. Yeah, it comes out October 7th. October 7th in theaters. This is the thriller mystery about the girl on the train who she sees this house every day on her everyday commute. Mm -hmm. And she fantasizes about what's going on in the house. Does the perfect couple live there? And it turns out that there is a murder mystery and she finds herself all wrapped up in this, all entangled in the mystery. Yeah, and I like true crime, but I'm, I'm a I'm a sucker for uh, mystery movies, thrillers, and I think this one is just going to be great. I, I'm calling it; it's going to be one of the best films of the year. Yeah, my favorite is a Who Done It, and this looks like a really good one. And, and I know a lot of my friends have read the book, and so they're really excited about the movie. I have not read the book yet, uh, but sometimes you know the book is is better than the movie and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not even going to read the book on this one. I'm going straight for the cinema on this one. Girl on the Train, October 7th. And you know what? The popcorn always tastes better when you're watching the movie rather than reading the book, right? So, Yeah, and you don't get butter on the pages. <laughs> on the pages. You, know? you wipe the butter on the pages. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. So go see uh, Emily Blunt starring in The Girl on the Train in theaters October 7th. And until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.